Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Now, it's been a while. I, I hope you guys all missed me, listeners. I was just telling our producer, Eming, that I might be a little rusty because uh, someone's gunning for my spot. <laughs> uh, and she's pretty good. So I guess, you know, I, it, it makes sense. Kat, as you know, has been hosting the show for the past couple weeks. She's been doing a great job. I'm listening to every episode very closely. Like, let's see, is she going to make a mistake? No, she doesn't make mistakes. She always says the right thing. She's a very good host and moderator, so we'll just have to agree to both be excellent, I guess, is the compromise. Well, technically, last week we had a lot of technical issues. We had to switch three different times. Squadcast, Ringer, Google, because the audio was all messed up. I've been there. I'm, listen, I'm a vet in this game, Emi, as you know. in this One year! One year does not make <laughs> you a vet! Every week? Come on, man. We got like 60-some episodes. I, I would hope if you do something 60 times, you'd pretty, be pretty good at it. You would think that. That's what she said. Uh. Boom! You missed your chance. Okay. So, in case you're wondering, yes, we do have an episode and a topic tonight, folks. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Margin Call. And uh, welcome back to myself. You know, I'm the host. So we I'm missed the only... you so much. Oh my god, thank you. I can tell how genuine you are in your voice. <laughs> I did. Yes. I did miss you. Now, as you guys know, every time I host, it's a special episode. And I start off by saying, tonight is a very special episode. <laughs> and then hedging exactly how special it is or justifying why I always say it's special. Tonight is special, once again, for many, many reasons. All right. In order of importance, the reason tonight's episode is special. One, I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm never leaving again. Everybody's so excited. All one of the people in the booth is so excited that I'm back. <laughs> this is the return of the king. <laughs> you came back and no one showed up. Oh. That's why it's a special episode. <laughs> this is like Trump's inauguration. I'm going to have to tell everybody. We had 20 guests on this podcast. People were lining up outside the studio to get in to see my return. Uh, and then, yes, in this analogy, I'm the president. Okay, are you happy now? In Amen. your head, you are. In my head, I am. Well... You know, if we're just measuring egos, maybe you could make that argument. Uh, that's the number one reason why it's a special episode, because I'm back. <laughs> number two reason that it's a special episode is because this is a big deal around the Quest on offices. It's Kevin Weston Day. Guys, Kevin Weston's birthday uh, is just a couple days after this episode will air. And every year... Since we started as an organization, we celebrate his birthday with Kevin Weston Day. Last year, um, we featured a, a write-up. I wrote it. Another reason. It was a very special piece, very special quest God, on piece you, written you by me. you get any more massage just in, the last, in the first, like, what, five minutes? It doesn't count if you're doing it to yourself. You can't give yourself a massage. That's just having, you know what I'm saying, good, uh, really? good, 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 it's confidence. It's just having, really? it's just Seriously? <laughs> narcissism. Okay. Okay. A lot of different words could be thrown around here. Um, but, you know, uh, Josue Rojas, of course, a Queston contributor, uh, drew a portrait of Kevin many years ago that's hanging above my desk. We took that, used it as the image, uh, and ran several anecdotes about what Kevin meant to us. Those of you who, of us, and obviously of our listeners who, who knew Kevin, know what a special guy he was, why he inspired our mission. Mission Matters, uh, Kevin dedicated his whole life. Uh, to highlighting the voices of young people, people of color, 
um, marginalized people and finding new and innovative ways to do it. Like he was one of the first people I knew that was like eagerly embraced. I mean, I'm, I'm old, right? I'm old school. I've been in the journalism game a while. When I started, it was all about newspapers and print and everybody was very skeptical about websites. Kev was the first one to be like, bro, we need a website, bro. We need video content, bro. We need audio. He was a multimedia guy. And he was one of the first people I knew to brought those tools to people that didn't have access to them. And that's a big part of what we're trying to do. So uh, in terms of mission and, and how he inspired us, it's huge. It's huge. There's a reason that we named our organization after him. And in terms of uh, personality, I mean, I, we said we were going to tell stories about Kevin tonight. That could go any number of directions. I'd like to keep it journalistic. I want to keep it focused on journalism. But God, there are a lot of... A lot of Kevin anecdotes uh, floating around there that have nothing to do with journalism. Eming is thinking of a hundred of them right I now. They're, really just, they're racing through can. her mind. <laughs> all, all my stories involve a bar, probably. Yeah, or... that's fine. Where all good stories start, I think. But so that's, I mean, that's another reason it's special uh, because we're celebrating Kevin Weston Day. We're going to spend some time telling stories about him and, you know, connecting his mission to our mission here at Quest On. Uh, and also, uh, we are in the final days of our fundraiser, fundraiser drive. So you know how you turn on the radio and you want to listen to NPR and instead of listening to NPR, they're like, surprise, we're going to talk to you about our fundraiser. <laughs> You're going to get a small dose of that, but we're going to do it in a fun way so that it's not just like boring and we're giving away cooler things than tote bags or whatever else they're giving away at NPR these days, all right? And you're also going to get some quality. with Russell's face on it. Oh my God, we should add one of those as an incentive. We could do a lot of incentives that we haven't done. Mug but. with my face. We'll make it a mug like the mugs on The Office. You know what I'm talking about? The mugs from uh, the America's Got Talent party? <laughs> Any other office heads out there? I know Emig knows what I'm talking about. Any other office heads? We're putting it on there right now. Russell's coffee mug from Kelly Kapoor's America's Got Talent party. <laughs> Obscure? Why? Yes. Or why can't we put their face on it? Why does it be your face? Why would someone want your face on their mug? <laughs> it's funny, man. It's funny. It's kitschy. Okay. It's cool. Oh, only you would get that perk. Uh, you know what? And that's what I'm going to donate. Whatever that coffee mug costs, <laughs> that's going to be what I donate. One million dollars. <laughs> yes. And I'll take a million of my own dollars to get that coffee mug. I've always wanted one. Everybody goes home happy. The program is, the project is funded for at least another few years. We could do a lot with a million dollars. God, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But the way that the fundraiser is shaping up now is great. We've gotten a lot of support from people, including you guys, listeners, people who are listening to the show right now. Those of you who are out there who have already donated, shout out. Thank you. We feel the love. Like, the dollars are great, but it also is very good to feel the love, to know that we're supported. Because a lot of times, Eming and I feel like, you know, are we alone in this? Yeah. Are we alone in this? And we have a lot of supporting <laughs> characters, as you know. The list of Queston contributors and supporters and team members and staff members is so long. Uh, and if we tried to give them all shout outs, we'd be here all night. It's a team effort, but still sometimes very late at night when we're on deadline and we're trying to make things happen, Eming and I just feel like we're, you know, on a, de on a desert Island. It's like Castaway. She's Tom Hanks. I'm Wilson. Or I'm maybe, maybe I'm Tom Hanks. Well, I, Cause I thought <laughs> if I said I was Tom Hanks, you would say, what do I have to be Wilson? And, and I can't answer that question. No, I'm definitely a ball that gets lost somewhere at some point. So you're probably okay. Great. To survive so anyways. let me rephrase that, listeners. It's basically Castaway. I'm Tom Hanks. I have made fire, <laughs> and Eming is a volleyball I found and made a friend out of. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> you guys are getting the inner workings here, man. I like you to guys... think you 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 got you um 
um, inherited me when, when, when Kevin passed away. Great. So Kevin passed away. One of his prized possessions was a volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like, hey, blood, I want you to have this. And then he, and then he handed me the volleyball. And then I turned the volleyball over and it turned out to be Eming. <laughs> Who is, okay, I think we've gone so far off whatever hey path man, we're I can on. Take now an analogy a... way past the point it needs to go. It's I know. one of my many gifts. That's what scares me a little bit. Uh, so we'll leave it there, guys. The the fundraiser has been going very well. We appreciate the support and we feel the love because sometimes you feel alone. Everybody's been in this position where you think you're the only person that cares about something and you wonder if you have support out there. This drive, in addition to getting us much needed resources so that we can pay the bills has also shown us how many people support us and how many people care about us and like our content and want us to keep doing what we're doing. What we doing. So thank you to you, everyone who has given um, and people who haven't given. All good. No judgment. Feel free to listen to this Hell podcast. Hell judgment. I'm kidding. E-Ming's going to... Wilson's going to give me some shade. <laughs> Tom Hanks is letting That's you slide. That's my new name, Wilson. We'll call you Wilson. It might stick. You never know. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about those things. We want to let you guys know about what incentives we're offering, uh, aside from my office mug, which we're going to just make, I guess, manufacture overnight, no tote bags. It's all cool stuff. Um, and we're also going to share some stories about Kev. So I do want to start off with, um, one of my, I mean, I have a couple key Kev stories. There's so many Kev stories, but I think things that are really central to the work that we do and the ways that. Kev inspired me as a journalist. Um, one, you know, it, it might not speak to like a high level of journalistic quality, but it does speak to hitting deadlines, which is something, <laughs> my God. Sometimes, you know, I think Shirley Abney, another one of our supporters and contributors once said, uh, when she was my editor, I was way behind deadline. And she said, it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be on the page, mm-hmm. uh, which really stuck with me, man. Because when you're, I mean, we don't have those kind of tight turnarounds anymore, but I used to, you know, let's say, you know, I was covering the Republican National Convention for a new American media. It was like, you know, George W. Bush would give his keynote address at 10 p.m. And then I had to, like, go back to my hotel room. We did this in 2008 when Barack Obama accepted the nomination. When Barack Obama accepted the nomination at Mile High Stadium, I had to go back to our apartment that night and hammer out a piece for them to run on the website. I mean, that's that's what real that's what journalists do. You guys are out there. We respect you. We love you. I've been in the trenches. One day we'll have enough resources to do that kind of quick turnaround on news. But Shirley Abney told me that and I was like, it's true, man. It doesn't have to, everything needn't be high art. Just deliver the news. And Kevin said it in a much more direct way. Uh, And I don't even remember who this person was, but it was a young woman who was writing a story for us, a first time contributor. So many of our contributors in those days were young people who had never written anything for publication before. And they needed a lot of special care and attention and encouragement. And Kevin gave it. But when it was time to give tough love, Kev was ready to give tough love. And he was on the phone with, a, with this young woman who was way past deadline. And she was, you know, wringing her hands. I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't know how. And Kevin, I, you know, I could tell this story a hundred times. I watched Kevin stand up at at his desk on the phone with this woman, hold the phone a foot from his head and scream into the phone. It's not that hard. Just write what happened. <laughs> and... It does sound like him. And it clicked. That was the end of the phone conversation. You know, mm-hmm. hung up the phone. That woman finished her story, sent it in. We managed to get it into the magazine that month. Um, and that echoed in my ears for years afterwards. Um, because, yeah, there is an art to journalism. And it, it is important what we say. But it's like, just write what happened, man. 
You know, whenever you're sitting down, like, what's my cute little intro going to be? Like, dude, just write what happened. Uh, so he was a no-nonsense editor in that regard, and that was a very important lesson um, that I gained from him. And I, I think it says a lot about his ability to, like, you know, cut through the BS, which he really had a gift for. Including when I was past deadline and he would call me at home when I was supposed to be in the office finishing a story. And he would just call me and say, do you still write? Like, do you do you still write? You know, it was like a, an affront, a challenge uh, to my creativity and my ability to file. The answer, of course, in that moment was no, not really. I'm kind of just sleeping until noon today, trying to pretend that I don't have a deadline. Um, but Kevin, and now I've inherited that That sounds role. so familiar. Well, those were the days, man. You know, the early remember. 2000s, there was a lot going oh, on, man. 9-11, war in Iraq, George Bush was president. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of tumult, you know. Tumult. I was in a full self-destructive spiral. It's a miracle that we put out a magazine. Uh, we owe it all to Kevin. Ooh. And, of course, Christine Wong and all the other adults at the helm. To the people who were the same age as us but acted a lot more like adults. Shout out to Christine Wong, big time. Um, and another thing that I remember, you know, this is a story I haven't thought about a lot. Um, but, you know, lately I've been doing a lot of writing and research about um, trans women in men's prisons. You know, I, I had this fellowship for John Jay, so I've been writing a lot and doing a lot of research and interviewing a lot of trans women who've been in prison about their experiences and you know as you can imagine they're harrowing they're very difficult um and sometimes i forget how much progress we've made as a society even though we have a ways to go a long ways to go but how much progress we've made um in our awareness of trans rights and battling transphobia and i'm very like inspired and encouraged to see how many young people are like really supportive of trans rights and have made that kind of their primary issue. It's like really beautiful and inspiring because it really was not like that 10 years ago. It really was not like that 15 years ago, even though we grew up in San Francisco, um, which is like, you know, the, the bastion, the beacon for the LGBT rights movement in this country and in the world, really, arguably. Um, that issue, although we have made a lot of progress in terms of like gay and lesbian rights and awareness, um the rights and experiences of Russell there's a rustling on your end what is that something is it still there no it stopped okay um even though at that time obviously there was a keen awareness about lesbian and gay rights and those respective movements um thinking seriously about trans people transphobia trans rights as recently as you know 2005 um, was not a part of our conversation about LGBT rights um, and liberal ideology you know and I remember that and Kevin was one of the first people who called my attention to it I mean this was a very sad story a young trans woman named Gwen Arujo uh, I don't know I'm sure some of our listeners remember this um, but she was a young trans woman who was killed and obviously it was in the newspapers because anytime a young person gets killed or a person gets killed, it's in the news. Um, but the way that it was handled was not very sensitive to her identity as a trans person and the nature of the violence um, that is specific. You know, it's unfortunately very common that trans people are targeted for violence disproportionately. 
Um, and Kevin said, we have to cover this. We have to write about this. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, well, you know, what do you mean? Like a young person got killed, like whatever people get killed. And I, you know, I wasn't being callous about it, but I was a young journalist and I was like, why is this story important? And Kevin was like, this is a, this is a trans person. This is a trans woman. This is a person who was like brave enough to, you know, present themselves in the world as they felt they should be, you know, like the idea of being a teenager and changing your gender pronoun and changing your name and, uh, you know, being a high school student and going through that now, I think is more common and we have a little more context for that. But at the time it was an incredible, still a very brave thing to do, but at the time it was an incredibly brave thing to do. Um, and that was why she was killed. And I was a young person still kind of forming my political lens and it, it left a, a really profound impact on me. You know, I was, we didn't have the word woke yet in those days, but I thought of myself as like a liberal person and thinking about experiences of marginalized people and thinking about my own experiences as a formerly incarcerated people and classes of people who were underrepresented and persecuted and oppressed. Um, and I had not been thinking about trans people in that way. And Kev was like, bro, we need to cover this. Like, this is important. And he found a way to do it. You know, he, we had like a young trans woman, not on staff, but he went out and found a contributor to write about their own experience um as it related to gwen arujo and um you know that really that left an impact on me in a, in a powerful way not just about like trans rights and being aware of that kind of journalism and activism but also um my own like political lens and political development and and pushing ourselves like don't get comfortable this is the thing that sandy and kevin used to always hate about the new york times i know i talk about the new york times obsessively but that's just what i'm going to do all right um sometimes journalism is very very insular and a lot of like when we hear you know conservative people say oh you know liberal media bias like there's kind of some truth to that you know uh because you get a high concentration at these publications of people who consider themselves liberal think they understand the world kind of overeducated, all from a very similar class background and class experiences not very diverse newsrooms but because they went to whatever, you know, liberal, liberal arts college or, or because they have liberal perspectives, they think, uh, I mean, I'm using a lot of euphemisms here. Kev just used to call them white liberals. <laughs> he would just say white liberals. <laughs> I'm kind of like going out of my way to say like, it's not just race specific. There's a lot of class in there and there's a lot, you know, diversity in newsrooms isn't just like getting people of different like ethnicities and genders and backgrounds. It's also like life experiences, you know? Um, so it was a good reminder. It was like, yeah, man, like the, the those newsrooms were not covering this story the right way because those newsrooms were not close to those experiences. Gwen Arujo was not someone that they saw themselves in, you know. So it was a good reminder, you know, and and it left a really powerful impact on me. It changed the way I thought about media and journalism and why it's important to have publications that are independent or why it's important to have voices in media that you don't encounter enough. You know, like, obviously the person who should write the story about Gwen Arujo's murder should be a young trans person, you know, and that seems obvious to us now. But Kevin was one of the first people who talked about things in those ways. Um, so, you know, are there a million other stories I could tell about Kev where he's <laughs> acting like a maniac or cracking people up or losing his keys or... Uh, using slang from the 70s that nobody knows. <laughs> yes, of course I could. Um, but journalistically, there that that's the impact that he left on me. And those are, you know, that's like a key example of it. But 
I mean, you, I call myself a young journalist at the time that I was working with Kev. You were a high school student, like a very, very young journalist. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine <laughs> what your experience was encountering the force that was Kevin Weston. Hmm. Yeah, he scared me at first. <laughs> Makes sense. He was, in, he was intimidating. I remember being very, I felt very small, like smaller mm. than I was. I felt like a little rabbit. <laughs> A little um, rabbit. You've graduated from a volleyball <laughs> to a rabbit. <laughs> Talk to me about the first time you worked with Kevin. What was the story? What kind of guidance did he give you? First story? Or, you know, one of the early ones when you really encountered him as an editor. One of my first memories of Kevin, of working with him, was when he... Not my first memories, but the more prominent memories of him was that when he liked, liked to proclaim that he got me to edit video. <laughs> and it was, I think it was a JR piece. Uh, it was, it was a movie, the Block Report movie, or something to that effect. It was, it was something like that. And I had to, I had to edit. It was my first time editing, and I was petrified because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to cut anything at the time, and so I was really freaking out. And I was like, sitting at the whatever desk I was at, and I was just like freaking out because I was like, I don't know how to cut video. I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, no, sis, it's cool, it's cool. Just just make a story, just make a story. And I was like, what does that mean for video? <laughs> how do you do that? And I remember showing him my edits and he was like, it's cool, it's cool, but we need like this, 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 and that. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, your his advice to you kind of mirrors what he was telling that young woman on the phone, which was like, don't be in your head about it. Trust your instincts, yeah. which I think is empowering. You know, I've worked with a lot of editors. And when I was a young person, I worked with a lot of editors that felt that they needed to hold your hand in like kind of yeah. a patronizing way where it was like, here's the inverted pyramid. You want to do who, what, when, where, you know, like a lot of square kind of journalism 101 stuff. Right. And Kev trusted our instincts. He was like, dude, don't overthink it. Like you were there. You're the authority on this. Right. Um, tell the story. And... I mean, you know, video is a little more technical than writing, <laughs> so there's uh -huh. other stuff that's involved. But it's a testament to him, I think, that he trusted your instincts. He's like, yo, just chop it up. And then, you know, as much as he would say trust your instincts, then, then he would come in and be like, nah, you need this. Nah, you need that. But trust your instincts for the foundation. I think that's good advice. I, I, would, I still tell that to young writers or first-time writers that I'm working with. It's right. like, just, just write it down. Pretend you're writing me an email. Like, right. record your voice telling a story. Well, and then transcribe for, it. for me, it was interesting because I have my memories of working with him when I was young. And then I got to experience seeing other uh, young people experience their first time once we were working, working in, in Oakland together. And because we had our little cohort for Quest on Media Part 1. Quest on Media 1.0. 1.0, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I got to kind of see like a mirror aspect of that, like how he would talk to them. And I would, and I, I would just go back in time in my head to that. I was like, holy shit, it's like the same like sequence of events. Yeah. But like, you know, he talks a little differently, but it's, it's, it's the same idea. So it was kind of trippy, but also kind of cool to see like the full circle of that with him because yeah. he like really cared. And, and I, I, I guess before, like, you know, I thought he was just, you know, he always looked a little... Like, he didn't care sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gift. But he did. But he did care. Like, like in his yeah. own weird way, he did, he, he did care. And so I really appreciated seeing him continue that with, like, the next group of young people. Like, even though Yo was no longer a thing, like, he was still, like, trying to build that up um, in his own way, which was really cool to... I mean, granted, it was right by the time he was about to pass away, but, like, like 
I said in our, our video, like the last day I saw Kevin, he was like asking me about work. Like, yeah. he's like, where's, where's the stuff, sis? And I'm like, dude, you're in fucking hospital. Like, what are you talking about? Talk about you, not that. <laughs> that was like, him. You know, yeah, his know. identity was really inextricable from the work. Like, he, he was the work. It was, it was an inspiration. I mean, he'd be in the office till 9, 10, 11 at night. You know, granted, he might be drinking some Tecates or whatever, but yeah. he was still... Don't, he, don't, don't forget that little part I, of the I won't forget story. the Tecates. <laughs> but he was That's in not... there updating the site. He was in there emailing people. He was in there writing grants, you know, to make the whole thing work, you know, which is another inspiration to our own model, which is like, we're not just the people who are encouraging people to write and generating right. content. We're also the ones that are trying to figure out ways to pay the bills right you know which is a good segue if you think about it <laughs> we're talking pay. about paying the bills <laughs> pay me pay, pay me pay, pay us me. um you know we I, I think his model which is a model that he inherited from pacific news service and new american media and sandy close of course the idea of a non-profit uh media organization using foundation money um, grants, writing grant proposals to develop voices of young people, um, to work with people who are incarcerated, to work with homeless youth, uh, to work with ethnic media. That was a that's a groundbreaking model. Period. You know, it just wasn't being done. They they innovated that. I mean, that was an invention of that office, and and Kevin perfected it, in my opinion. Um, and we see a lot of it today. You know, there, there are a lot of nonprofit media organizations now that was groundbreaking at the time that they were doing it. Um, I mean, I think of ProPublica, you know, which is a great organization. They do a lot of incredible investigative work and they partner with big media organizations like PBS and ABC because as media organizations have had to cut their staff and cut their budgets, you know, it's very hard to do investigative work, right? But investigative work is the most important stuff you can do, right? Like everything that we know, for instance, about what the president did or did not do with Russia or with his finances or whatever, that's that takes hours and hours and days and days and months and months of digging through documents and developing contacts. And the story that you see that runs in the Washington Post, uh, or, you know, is the, the fruit of months of labor. And that's the value of journalism. Uh, one of the many values of journalism that is not prioritized and can't be funded anymore. So you have an organization like ProPublica that I respect a lot that took this nonprofit model to get donations from people who believe in the mission of journalism and the necessity of investigative work, get that foundation money, do the investigative work and partner with a big you know, uh, corporate news outlet so that they can disseminate it. Uh, that's not our model, but it's a model that was certainly influenced by Pacific News Service, New American Media, uh, and Youth Outlook. And it's something that we're trying to emulate, too, on a smaller scale. You know, we're not trying to, you know, duplicate ProPublica or Pacific News Service for that matter. But I really like the idea that organizations are recognizing that people know that journalism is important. And if you don't pay for it, democracy is going down the tubes <laughs> it's true we need it man we need it journalism matters this is my mission you know what i'm saying i hope one day maybe i'm on my deathbed and i'm like e-ming like no, the mission matters don't where's fucking where's say the that. work don't i mean i'm that. not being don't, i know that's dark that's i'm not, not saying okay. that to be dark that's... but i just like let's say i'm later in life okay like kevin's situation was extreme because he got sick and he was still a very young man right but that story is a testament to his commitment to the work Right. I would like to think that you and I are so committed to the work that we're 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, you know, grandparents, great aunts, you know, great uncles, uh, 
and we're still thinking about this mission, you know, and trying to carry this torch of media and of journalism the way that Kevin did, right up until, literally right up until the end. Oh, actually, can I say one thing? So uh, Latifah, uh, Kevin's Kevin's wife, uh, just sent me a thing on, prior to this show, I asked a bunch of our old Nam Yo people if they had, like, stories they wanted to, to give us, and uh, Latifah actually, like, half an hour ago sent me this thing, and she was like, um, tell them about our love story. And I guess what I could say is that she, um, up, like, basically up until Kevin passed away, she was, like, the one who was taking care of him. You know, she was, like, she got him um, health care when he didn't have any. Yeah. And, that, and that made him live longer. Yeah. We oh, had yeah. him longer on this earth uh, than we probably would have if she hadn't done that. So, uh, I mean, he was an amazing woman, and she's a perk on our in our campaign, too. Another segue into our oh, yeah. position. So yeah. I just wanted to give a shout-out to Latifah um, for all she did for Kevin. Those and to their love. Last, that was yeah. a powerful love story. And, interesting footnote, they were married by a woman who everybody's talking about now, Kamala Harris. When they got That's married, true. they were Kamala Harris performed the ceremony in San Francisco's uh, City Hall. So, we shout out to Kamala. We have that. I think me and Min filmed that. That was kind of weird because, like, every TV outlet was there. So, I was like, why are we filming this if, like, KTVU's here? <laughs> there can never be too many cameras. You know why? Because KTVU is just going to produce a 30 second segment this out of it. This is true. We'll and you and I eventually second. are going to make the documentary, and then we can use all the footage. <laughs> that, you know? that, that, that someone else will cut down to three minutes. Anyways. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> Editing's important. <laughs> So, uh, for those of you, I mean, we're going to have some more memories of Kev throughout the episode, including um, a story from Neela uh, that she's pre-recorded for us that we'll play at the end. Neela Banerjee, one of our favorite people, uh, former managing editor of Youth Outlook, who worked very closely with Kevin. I can't wait to hear what she has to say about Kev. I mean, she's really, she was in the trenches with him. It's like, Kev and Neela were the me and you of 2005. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> Are we the only two people doing this? They kept the ship afloat, man. Uh, so we'll, we'll hear from Neela later in the show. Right now, I just want to take a quick break to let people know, if you haven't seen our uh, fundraising page, it's hosted by Indiegogo. We like them a lot. They've been good partners. We will include it in wherever this podcast yes, lives. We will, we There'll will be a post, link. The link will be there, so you can find it there. But you can always find it uh, on our Instagram page, in our bio. And you can find it on our Facebook page. We post about it every day. Uh, we're down every in the single digits. Every other hour. Every other hour we're posting about the campaign. So click the link. Uh, even if you're not sure if you can donate or if you want to donate it, check out the page because there's a lot of good information on there about who we are, why we're doing this, um, what we're planning to do with the money, what our mission is, what the next year of Quest On looks like. There are also photos on there of myself, Eming, and other uh, Quest On staff members and incentives, which is really what I wanted to talk about tonight. So when you make a donation to our campaign, you get an NPR tote bag. No, you don't get an NPR tote bag. We have much better incentives than that. Um, and uh, the, I have so many favorite incentives that I want to plug. But one that just got purchased yesterday, I was re reminded of how great it is, um, is uh, a print of one of Charles Jones's photographs. You know, mm -hmm. Charles Jones is an old friend of ours. He comes on the show all the time. He's written for the site. He's been on the podcast. Uh, and he's a very talented photographer who's in Oakland and he's walking around the streets of Oakland capturing 
the life of the, Oakland. Oh, it's like Pitbulls for a second. I was like, wait. Well, Pitbulls, yeah, sure. <laughs> Charlie was supposed to be on the episode tonight. He was held up by a group of Pitbulls. We don't know exactly what happened. He was just like, oh, hold on. i got to break up a dog fight or something like that. Is that no, what he said? They, they just got out and he was t- trying to make sure they weren't like roaming the neighborhood. Okay. Well, there were Pitbulls involved. Let's say, let's say that. Um, but yeah, capturing the life of Oakland. And you can, you know, you can check out that story on the website. It's called Grime and Glamour. And it was one of the first things we ran. It's a photo essay. It's beautiful. And the Q&A is also really wonderful because Charles, I mean, he talks about why he started taking pictures, which, you know, he's kind of late in life photographer, to be honest. He was a writer for a long time um, and found photography just in the past few years um, because of a trauma that he experienced. And he was going to therapy and his, his therapist gave him an assignment to find something beautiful. It's like, you know, because he could only see darkness at the time. And the way that he talks about it is really wonderful. So check out that Q&A. But... Um, one of our donation levels, um, which is, I'll bring up all the incentives right now so that I can quote properly what all the donation levels are. We have quite uh, a uh, couple, uh, like, um, like duplicates of like numbers, like a hun- like several hundreds of different things attached to that. So. Oh yeah. We have duplicates at each level, but I just want to make sure before I tell people to go get Charlie's photo, which is one of my favorite incentives, honestly, um, no knock on any other incentives. Um, including being a guest on the podcast we haven't even spoken about that but when you donate at the $80 level you get a print of a Charles Jones photograph it's beautiful we might even use it uh, as our image for the podcast but it's just a young woman in a classic car talking on a cell phone wearing a cheetah print shirt um, at presumably at a sideshow because I think he was taking photographs at a sideshow or a lowrider show um, but it's a beautiful black and white photograph, elegantly composed. Uh, it's the kind of thing I want to hang in my house. And that's at the $80 level. But there are levels um, for everybody. You know, it starts at $5, and we'll put your name on the website. Um, we have Quest on T-shirts. I think that's our most popular level now is the pick a T-shirt level. You can choose which one you want. We have the brand new logo. Um, designed by my boo, Sophia Ishak. Shout out to Sophia Ishak. Uh, who made a new Quest on Media logo with the, in, incorporating the portrait of Kevin in the masthead, which is on our website now. We're using it across all platforms, but it's a great T-shirt. Um, and then we also have a T-shirt from our partners, Raygun, uh, who make a big uh, T-shirt that says in very large block letters, pay for the news, just so you can let people know that you paid for the news and tell others to do the same thing. Because uh, if, you're, if you're consuming free media, you get what you pay for, people. <laughs> pay for your news and there's there's one i also want to add that we haven't put up yet but yeah for the for the final week of the campaign i wanted to put a shirt for the margin call with a logo on it yes margin call logo t-shirt and the mar- shout out to your boo min lee <laughs> all I the mean, boos the, are helping because they the love us but, and we're not getting paid for it yes, bravo to all the boos who don't get booze do. work, but no. <laughs> Money. That's what booze do. They support. Booze support forever. So shout out to the booze and get your margin call t-shirt. We're going to put it up there as one of the uh, alternates for the t-shirt design. But it's a great, it incorporates the pigeon, which is an image that we've used for Youth Outlook for a long time. Ever since Josue Rojas and I used uh, the pigeon in our logo for Public, which was our comic that ran on the back page. Um, and he's on a soapbox because aren't we always on a soapbox here on this show? I try not to be because I don't. I'm not a soapbox guy. I talk a lot, but I, I don't need to be on a soapbox. You're not a soapbox, really. I don't think so. Do I get preachy on this show? Maybe about Drake. 
That's the only thing I get on my soapbox we're about. Not, but I'm, I'm not. We're not doing. <laughs> oh, did you bring up Drake? Oh, you brought no, up Drake again. No, <laughs> I didn't say nothing. <laughs> didn't say nothing about Drake. All right. Uh, so yes, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. But we also have a lot of stuff that was donated by staff. I mean, Char- Charlie isn't the only one who offered up uh, an incentive. Um, also, we mentioned Neela earlier. Uh, Neela Banerjee, one of our favorite people. She offered up a manuscript critique. Neela is a very talented writer. Um, she's taught creative writing. Uh, she's a publisher now in Los Angeles um, for Kaya Press. Uh, they highlight work of Asian American writers, among others. But she can really critique a manuscript. And I think, Emin, you said this in your, in your post about this, that you shared some of your writing with her, and she really let you know what it needed. Uh, she's an mm-hmm. honest... She's a very smart, very honest editor. And she'll, if you're a writer and you have a manuscript that needs some eyes, uh, Neil is your person. So, and at, at $75, that's a steal. That, I, might, I might use this. There's two me, available. There's two. Two available. So act now. 20 page manuscript. She, she's not going to be editing everybody's copy, uh, just the first two people who come in. Uh, Charlie uh, has already sold one of his photos which is fantastic and then our friend Zeus Jesus uh, world famous turf dancer one of the people who helped to innovate the form uh, has offered a turf dancing class if you don't know what turf dancing is google it right now it's amazing Uh, it's a dance form that grew out of Oakland very distinctive very unique Um, and those moves have been incorporated into a lot of styles of dance that you see whatever on TV like so you think you can dance there are people doing turf dancing moves on that show uh, that's ninety dollars. That's a one-time. Uh, it's, it's an experience, you know. It's like you can really choose what the right thing is. And then, of course, since we're on the podcast, we have to say that if you ever wanted to be a guest on our podcast, and I know every single one of you does, uh, when you donate at the hundred dollar level, you too can be a guest on the Margin Call podcast. Uh, or, or here's the other option at the hundred dollar level. Geek out with Cat Geek Force podcast, uh, which is title new... not yet title not yet determined. It's just I like Geek Force, one. Geek Force Nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's going for Fellowship of the Fan, fan something, fan Fellowship of the Fan. I mean, Cat. It really is a pop culture sci-fi fantasy encyclopedia. Anybody would yeah. be lucky just to have this conversation with her over a cocktail. She but... she really wants us to. Um, there's some. Facebook event since uh, I don't know if you hear about this, but Sony and Marvel's agreement fell through, and so Spider-Man's no longer part of the MCU. And I've so, seen the internet. I'm, I'm, I don't I'm know aware. what you know because your your geek knowledge is very like here or there. I don't it, know. That's true. That's true. I, that's true. So I make no. I, I can't Thank assume. You. You're right. You I, can't I make know. assumptions. You're I can't right. assume. I appreciate that. So I, just, so I, miss, I, I, I have blind I spots. have to narrate before I say this. Yes. Um, and so there's this. She's she's she sent me this Facebook. A, uh, invite where people are gonna like storm the Sony offices in, in in October in New York. She's like, we can go and record it for the podcast. And I'm well, like, if we get the funding, like why not? Yo, Let's man, do you don't need funding. Get a microphone. Get out there. Talk to the people. I will. I will insert this uh, very quickly. First of all, uh, I love Cat. Kat is great. I'm so glad that she's coming on and has been hosting the show. I'm thrilled at the idea of having her own pop culture podcast because 
you never run out of stuff in the geek universe to talk about, so you're always going to have content. You know, it's not like margin call. We're like, what are we going to talk about this week? What are we going to talk about Guns? What, drugs? What, stu- what stupid thing happen? did the president do? Like, what social ill are we going to try to address on our little show with our little minds? Cat uh, is a very big mind with a very big show, and her focus is pop culture. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. The, the name is yet to be determined, but you're going to find it in exactly the same place you found us here. Uh, and if you are even remotely interested in geek life, get the to Cat's podcast ASAP. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted on when the first episode comes on. And if you donate at the $100 level, you could be a guest on that. Even the inaugural episode. Who knows? If you claim it tonight, you could be the first one. You're going to have to bring your geek knowledge with you. First, let, let me let you know. I, I got... She got, I got roasted in there. She schooled Russell. There that was that was things. fun. That was fun to listen to. I know. I'm glad me. you enjoyed it. I wasn't there for it. it. I was so sad. I, I couldn't see the like the, the moment she like. She her geek knowledge is superior, man. It's hard to argue that it's not. So I'm just gonna say. I know. Uh, sometimes even the great ones among us are wrong. <laughs> oh, my heart yeah. bleeds for you. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for mm. your sympathy. Uh, and I, I will also mention, I mean, I'm not going to go through every single incentive here, but I just want to let people know you can donate at every level. And at the end of our campaign, everyone who donated is invited to our rap party because there will be a party and there's going to be entertainment. Everybody who we've listed already is going to be there. Many of the prizes are going to be on display. We're going to have a raffle. There will be beverages, adult and non-adult beverages. We're probably bring your get, children. We're gonna get some carnitas, <laughs> some carne asada. Maybe we'll have a clown blowing up balloons. Who knows? It's gonna be a legit, a legit party. Uh, but there is an option on here to get a VIP pass to the party that gets you a drink ticket, uh, a ticket for the raffle, a shout out on the mic. Come to the party if you if you support the campaign in any way. You're already invited to the party. But if you get a VIP pass, you will get special treatment. Uh, and I think a shout out on the mic. I mean, I give good shout outs. I, I hope you all agree I give good shout outs. <laughs> so it will be a glowing can, can, shout Can out. we opt out of uh, shout outs? If you want to you wanna get the VIP pass and then put in the in the comment section, please no please shout out on the mic from Russell. Maybe from Emane. <laughs> we'll talk about it that day. Uh, and then uh, the last one, I mean, there, there's a bunch on here, but, you know, Min is doing get fugly get fugly he's already gotten two two yeah. claims yes two uh and getting fugly is this for those who don't know min lee who was a very talented artist and illustrator and hella patient characterist and very a very patient boo of our own beloved emang beyonce uh does i said beyonce oh i heard beyonce Sometimes I want to say Beyonce when I say your name. I, we all, I want every word should be replaced. Every word in the English language should be replaced with Beyonce. I think we've already agreed that. Um, but Min will draw your portrait and you will not be disappointed. If you want to see some samples, you can go on the Indiegogo. But, but be site. warned that he, it's like, you know, it's, you got to learn to laugh at yourself when you, you got to learn. Because it's, it's, they're a, not it's a caricature. Like, you know, felt, felt like, uh, yeah, caricature. Yeah, you know, like when you highlight, it's like, oh, okay, you know, you got big ears. Like when, when people would do a, a cartoon of Obama, they give him like those giant big ears. You know what I'm saying? Like men will find the most interesting thing about your face <laughs> and highlight it. Uh, and yeah. I think he did, for me, he decided on the eyebrows, which, you know, uh, if you're going to choose something, it's definitely got, I have very distinctive, very large, very dark <laughs> eyebrows. I'm proud of them. Uh, but Min really went in on him. It looks like he drew them with just like a giant Sharpie marker right across my face. Uh, 
Uh, and he did Paul, but he got Paul's cheekbones. I mean, look at that man. I, I mean, if anything, Paul that's kind of a compliment to Paul. Bones. Paul has very distinct cheekbones, but so very does every model-esque. supermodel. Every every yeah, exactly. Every supermodel has defined cheekbones. So Paul kind of got off easy here. Charlie with the big beard. Uh, I mean, there there are a lot of examples on the site. So I think check Sarah, it out. Get, Sarah mentioned um, thanks for my ask. She. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not just facial features, po- folks. He's he's really going to highlight the most notable thing about you. Uh, and uh, I think Sarah looks great in this illustration. Well, he'll put you by someone. Sarah might even look the best in of all these illustrations, to be honest. I mean, look at that, man. Flawless. The big smile. Shout out. Shout out to Min Lee for getting uh, Sarah fugly because she's the, the least fugly looking person on there. She looks fantastic. <laughs> well, I do yeah. call her my own uh, personal Disney princess because her hair is like very like magnificent. Yeah, dude. It's very, uh, you know, who, who is that? Uh, Rapunzel, right? Isn't she the one with the hair? Yeah, but I would call her more of a Cinderella, but sure. She is kind of a Cinderella. It's true, man. Um, and then, of course, this really is my favorite section. You're going to have experiences and you can have Korean barbecue with the peon size. And this is really kind of a two for one, man. I think that we could be asking for a lot more for this. We already have two claimed. It's at the $150 level. But you will be having Korean barbecue, which is like already delicious. And you should go there. Uh, with our producer, Yiming Piancai, who you have all come to know and love. Um, and her wonderful patience. So patient. If you thought Min was patient... Your cousin Yanni's got to be infinitely... I mean, she's patient with me, so that gets her pretty far. Uh, the, two of them will, the two of them will take you out. Well, it helps to be liked. <laughs> Trying to make myself likable. I like her, too. She's a great person. Korean barbecue with the peon size. These two are adorable. A barrel of yucks. And who doesn't like Korean barbecue? We'll and buy then, you of soju course, and boba. Yeah, soju. You know, if you're under 21, they'll probably still buy you soju. We'll <laughs> Put buy it in you your some Sprite cup. and boba. Yeah. So there are a lot of other um, opportunities for donations on the higher end, uh, including lunch with me, geeking out with Eming. Another, I mean, my God, the photo for geek someone's got to take yours. I don't know who, but someone's gonna pay. Was it four or five hundred? Okay. It's four hundred dollars. It's four hundred dollars at lunch with me. But the joke, someone... of course, is that someone's already gotten Korean barbecue with the peon size twice. Someone's already gotten geek out with Eming once, and someone has gotten lunch with me zero times. People, if we get all the way, if we get all the way through this fundraiser and nobody gets lunch with me, I'm gonna have to really reevaluate the value of my company. <laughs> but that's fine. What's that supposed to mean? That's fine. Reevaluate. Yeah, maybe I should, it should be a sale. You know, like hey, end of season sale, lunch with Russell Morris reduced by fifty percent. <laughs> we'll see if we get any takers. Uh, podcast Got consultation, it. happy hour with Latifah Simon. Got one um, for that one. And that's a hot one. That one's already been claimed. Uh, you can do promotion on our podcast if you're an entrepreneur uh, and you want to come on and talk about your product, your venture, your startup, uh, whatever art you're working on. We can do a whole episode with you. Uh, of course, the one-to-one with Mishgan. Mishgan is a really like a nonprofit genius, and having a one-to-one session with her about your ideas for a venture, or if you're already, uh, if you've already started a nonprofit and you want to get ideas about fundraising, I, I mean, think she's, you should get that one, Russell. When she's you brilliant. Oh my God, you're right. I should get it with Mishgan and be like, Mishgan, we need your help. Can you help us? This whole fundraiser was just a way of you coming in to tell us how to run our business. <laughs> Success, and then of course at the uh, at the highest end you can get the whole shebang. Five thousand dollars, you get everything that's been listed before it. 
um, that hasn't already been claimed that doesn't have a limit. Uh, and then Founders Circle, your name will be on our masthead forever uh, because that's a significant donation and you will be instrumental in getting this project off the ground. So that's it. I ran through the incentives. I, I There were a lot of tangents. I apologize. But if you've ever I'm heard sorry. the show that's before... That's partially my fault. If you've ever heard the show before, you know, Tangents Abound. That was almost the name of the show, Tangents Abound. Um, so I do want to do a quick intro now uh, for Neela's story about Kevin. This is a pre-recorded segment um, of our own very, very beloved friend, Neela Banerjee, sharing some memories of Kevin Weston. What's up? This is Neelanjana Banerjee, Queston Media Groupie and occasional margin call participant. I couldn't miss out on participating in today's topic, which is to celebrate the legacy of Kevin Weston. I've been wanting to contribute something to Queston Media for some time about Kevin, his influence on my own life, and how often I think about him. Wish that he were a phone call away, or even better, seated next to me at a bar somewhere, smelling of smoke, both of us with cold beers in front of us, knowing that we had some time, an hour, or perhaps even a whole weeknight until the bar closed down and kicked us out to talk about everything, politics, art, race, love, sex, music, etc. There are so many times in the past five years of insane news cycles that I'll be driving in my car, listening to headlines, and literally just calling out, what would Kevin think about this? And the thing that I missed the most, like Russell and Eming were talking about, was that it was never a predictable thing. And sometimes it infuriated me, to be honest but how good to talk through it all with him. Unlike Russell and Eming and a lot of other young people, I didn't come to Kevin as a young journalist who had never written before. I came to Kevin in 2003 wanting to do what he did, help young people tell stories. I had just been fired as editor-in-chief of Asian Week newspaper where I worked for several years in my early 20s. Basically, a young journalist that had been given way too much responsibility and turned the weekly newspaper into a somewhat radical outlet that covered all the craziness that was happening to communities of color in the post-9-11 years until the publishers, who were too busy running the SF Examiner into the ground to notice, finally noticed. I was heading back to school in the fall to get an MFA in fiction from San Francisco State University, and after running into Kevin at a few professional events and once at a club in Oakland where I tried to talk to him and he promptly disappeared after saying he'd be right back, classic, I finally got him to go to lunch with me where I said I'd love to help Yo in any way I could. And shortly after that, he hired me as managing editor. So instead of just learning about his amazing philosophies about letting marginalized people tell their own stories, I had the joy and frustration of trying to learn about Kevin's management style, about his leadership style, and about how he could walk into a funder meeting and leave with enough money for a whole slew of brand new AV equipment. So that Yo was doing multimedia convergence, working across all the various digital platforms, way before most mainstream media outlets. Anyone will tell you that Kevin was cryptic, almost maddeningly so. When you tried to get direct answers out of him, so much so it drove me crazy. But what I will always remember and what I will miss the most is his unwavering love and support for the people and the ideas he believed in.
once when Kevin brought me into this organization on a whim because I said I wanted to do the work. Me, who was at the time a 25-year-old girl from Ohio with a couple of years of mainstream and ethnic journalism experience under my belt, who had never worked with young people, definitely not marginalized or at-risk young people before, he supported me, protected me, believed in me, and championed me. Kevin, with his gruffness and mystery, gave the people around him the confidence to finish the story, and in my case, to trust myself to help young people to tell their own stories, something I have now done since then, that summer of 2003 at the Yo offices in collaboration with Kamala Harris's youth programs when she was DA in continuation high schools in SF and LA, and now as a professor at UCLA. Sometimes when I don't believe in myself, in my voice, or my worth, I still think back to the way Kevin believed in all of us, and it is still powerful enough to keep me motivated. One of the things that makes me miss Kevin the most is the renaissance about science fiction writer Octavia Butler. Kevin was a huge fan of Butler's work, and I remember his palpable grief the day she passed away. I also remember several very confusing meetings that he and I had one-on-one -on -one in the sunny conference room of the Yo! New America media offices when he would try and mentor me by using Octavia Butler analogies about her books, The Parable of the Sower or the Pattern Master series, which I hadn't read. And I would leave those meetings having no idea what he was talking about. Fast forward to now, and writers and artists and activists are talking about Butler's work, using her ideas as jumping off points for social movements and recognizing her all around genius and how much we need her ideas. Kevin, of course, and as usual, was way ahead of his time. If you haven't read the work of Adrienne Marie Brown, please do check it out. She is a social movement organizer who has done a lot to center the work of Butler. I've been obsessed with her books all summer especially Emergent Strategy and Pleasure Activism. In Emergent Strategy, Adrian writes, this book is for people who want to radically change the world, to apply natural order and out of love of life to the ways we create the next world. This book would have been a little woo-woo for Kevin. He was a true earth sign Virgo, except of course for his belief in ghosts and the supernatural, but he would have hella kicked it with Adrian and maybe they crossed paths in the Bay back in the day when we all lived there. But so much of this book, which everyone seems to be reading this year, is about Octavia Butler's writings. Adrian quotes Butler from Parable of the Sower. Quote, all that you touch you change, and all that you change changes you. Last year, there was a special exhibition of Octavia Butler's archives at the Huntington Library in Los Angeles, and a special set of events put on by an awesome organization called The Clock Shop, including a publication around the exhibition called Radio Imagination. I had actually meant to write a review of the publication as a letter to Kevin for Queston, but you know, things got in the way. Picking it up today made me feel close to him. Hopefully, if you get anything out of this episode of Margin Call, you'll support the work of Queston Media through their Indiegogo campaign because it's continuing the work of Kevin and by proxy, the ideas of Octavia Butler. And also, you'll pick up some of her work. The great LA journalist Linnell George put together a ghostly interview with Butler for uh, Radio Imagination. She pulled from the archives um, and made, kind of crafted an interview from what she found. So she asks uh, Butler, 
what do you writers do all day? And this is Butler's answer. I imagine that she and Kevin are kicking it hard wherever they are. Butler says, tell a story in a poem, observe a reality, offer advice. So if you're blocked, clean house, turn off your mind for a while, let your subconscious know in no uncertain terms what you want from it. Then forget about it for a while. Get a job. It will remind you why the insecure world of writing is so great, and it will enable you to avoid moving in with your relatives. In the end, it was my final prescription for block breaking that got me working. Passion. Get scared. Get mad. Get frustrated. Get writing. Love you always, Kevin. All right. Thanks to Neela for that. Um, it's, I love hearing stories about Kev, no matter what they are. And uh, we could probably do a show every week with Kevin's stories. But it's always special to hear from Neela because they had a, a very special relationship. They brought us up. They were like our parents, if you know, or like our cool auntie and uncle, or you know, I don't know. Neela's only a couple years older than me, so maybe that's not I'm the like, right what comparison. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of maturity level, like Neela definitely like had it together enough to like show up to work and hit deadlines and stuff and even though she could party with the best of them we all know that oh i remember yes yeah and those are the stories that we won't be able to share today unfortunately the party tales of 275 9th street buzz nine wish buzz nine underground all the bars that we got thrown out of (laughs) uh those were the days (laughs) it's it felt like everyone turned 21 on the same day uh, it's really, and, and that day never ended. <laughs> um, so I, first of all, thanks again to all of our listeners for bearing with us. I, I really want to encourage you, if you're a fan of the show, to go on the site and figure out if there's a level on there that makes sense for you. Everything counts. Everything matters. If you want to give us $5 and have your name on the website, thank you. Wonderful. Uh, if you want to become one of our, a member of the founding circle and have your name on the masthead forever, I mean, you know, that's, that's big. You're getting in on the ground floor. Uh, but any level of support is appreciated. Just check out the link. It's on our Instagram page. It's wherever you found this podcast, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes or on our website. Um, there's a link there too. Uh, we can't do it without you. You know, we we're doing the best that we can with what we got, but this support is crucial to keeping it going. It's been a hell of a year, Eming. I'm sure you'd agree. Can I just say one thing? Yes. Um, so just, just to kind of go off of what you were saying, like, um, we don't have any, like anyone funding us. It's literally like out of our slash my bank account right now. (laughs) And, uh, this is our attempt to not do that anymore and be a legitimate organization, hopefully be a nonprofit within the next year. At least that's my hope. So, um, anything that anyone can, you know, whether it's donation or, if you're spreading our link around on your Facebook page, your network, like anything really helps. So we re- really appreciate anything that gets done. Heart, well heart, 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 heart. Well heart. said. A very important point. For those who don't know, we're doing this because we love it. But love don't pay the rent. I think somebody said that once. <laughs> love don't pay the rent. Someone did. Or love don't pay the bills. I, I want to say it's a song. We'll look it up. Uh, in any case, <laughs> in any case... Eming, thank you for finding a way for me to talk about Drake, even if it was only for a couple seconds. Thank you for always being the guiding light of this show and this organization. 
Uh, it's been so long since you and I did a show together. This is really a breath of fresh air. That's another reason this this show is special. Did I mention that at the top? This show's special because it's just the two of us, kids. This is, uh, this is rare. It's a, it's, it's a, it's kind of like our second episode, our drug episode that we did. Just us. Oh, yeah. Our our, our drug episode I mean, it's it's rare, but it does happen. It's rare. It's rare, but when it happens, it's special. Because sometimes Uh, we have have nothing to say to each other. It's like, we need guests. (laughs) This isn't going to work. That's true. We've said everything that can be said. We need other people to come in, you know. Uh, but I think I think we carried our own man. We got it. We got a really special dynamic going. I think we should explore this. Maybe there's a third spinoff that's just the two of us talking about which Star Trek was the best Star Trek. <laughs> we could talk that's, about that. That's probably. how every episode starts. That is how every episode every starts. Every episode is which like Trek which was, was the a better one. one? Next generation, <laughs> obviously. I mean, I liked it because it was the first one that I w- really watched. But like DS Nine, okay, we don't. Let's we're, no, do it again. We're not. I did it. I got I, you no, into the conversation. No, 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 it worked. No, 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 it no. worked. Because you upset me. You know I'm gonna be like, no. no. All right. All right. Um, actually, Respect well, to Deep Space Question Nine. for you though did did Kevin like Drake? That's a good question, man. I never that, talked to him about Drake. Because that could destroy your whole view of him if he does not. That could like. Nah, I mean, <laughs> I. You know what? And this is this is uh, something that I really like about myself. <laughs> oh really? And another thing that you like myself? Oh my god! I never knew that existed. Something I really like about myself <laughs> is, you know, when people point something out to me. Let's let's use Drake as an example, right? I'm a Drake hater. I'm a Drake hater. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, people will just say, like, yo, man, the guy makes good music, bro. Like, those are good songs. Like, though, people love those songs, right? And, like, the guy can't actually rap. It's not like he can't rap. He is a good rapper. He is a successful entertainer. People love his music. He chooses good beats. He's prolific. He keeps putting out high-quality stuff. You know what I mean? Like, any, any point that people make that's contrary to my preconceived notions, I really do my best to be receptive to it. And the reason I've come around on Drake as much as I have already and other things, you know, political stuff, I have a lot of convictions that are flexible because I'm trying to learn just in the spirit of Quest on Media. We don't want to be prescriptive. We're not trying to tell people, you know, what is the most important thing that's going on in the world. We don't want to tell people what to think. We want to introduce people to different perspectives. Right. I, too, would like to be introduced to different perspectives. I want to challenge what I think about things. I want to challenge my assumptions. And if Kevin Weston told me. Bro, Drake is tight. You're just being a hater. Uh, hopefully, he would have some other supporting evidence. Um, I I would be receptive to that. It wouldn't. I wouldn't be a fork in the road where I got to choose Kev or Drake or Kev or Drake hate. It would just be an opportunity for me to reevaluate my assumptions that be and the my bias. I don't like being Drake a hater. Hate. I don't want to be a hater. I, I you know just like uh, Big Pun said. I don't want to be a hater no that more. Cool. That's not exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. To paraphrase Big Pun, I don't want to be a hater no more. And I'm open to any time that people want to point something out to me that I'm wrong about or that I've made unfair assumptions about. Okay, even if it's something I like that maybe I shouldn't like. Uh, And that's all I have to say about Drake. And I'll never bring it up on another podcast, except maybe if I find a reason to that's important and relevant. Lie. And and I'm glad that we had this really important conversation about which Star Trek was the best Star Trek. Thank you, Eming, for chiming in. (laughs) All of that is to say thank you, Eming, for tonight. It was a joy. Thank you in advance for the editing work you're going to have to do to make some sense out of this recording session, which is now going on one hour, just so that people know what's going on out there. <laughs> this is what we're working on in the booth together. Uh, thanks to Neela for recording uh, her segment about Kevin. Like I said, I always love hearing stories about that dude, man. That's how you keep people's memories alive. Keep telling those stories. You know, my grandma died this year. I, I haven't gone a day without telling a story about something she did. You know, I know you lost your grandma recently. This is, it's real. 
This is how we keep people alive. We keep their memories alive. Tell those stories. Uh, thanks to everybody who's donated uh, on our Indiegogo. Yeah, thank you. All of you. You're yes. Awesome. Seriously, every I single one of you. All. It really, really means a lot. Um, it, we feel the love. We feel the love. Um, and thanks, as always, to our listeners. Until next time, rest on, everybody. Classic margin call. We, this is what we got. All just, right, what we got just is barely what we got. getting by in life. What we got is if the minimum wasn't good enough, it wouldn't be the minimum. Okay, people. That's gonna be how the show opens. Welcome to margin call. <laughs> we suck. How are you today? <laughs> we suck, but you're listening. So what does that say about you? I don't know. That's our slogan. That's our tagline. I think. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.